Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for purpose-driven leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business and boardroom topics, trends, innovation, transformation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, I chat with entrepreneur Bernard Njati, CEO and founder of Lofta Care Show, an agri-tech and fintech startup in Kenya. The company has an innovative, first-of-its-kind business model and ecosystem of empowering smallholder livestock farmers to unlock capital against their livestock through animal identification, data collection, and a traceability platform. We'll hear about this and Bernard's leadership journey, his aspiration and drivers for starting this business in a short while. Bernard, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Stephen Paul. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Bernard, I I mentioned just briefly here that you're based in Kenya. Um, Tell us specifically where you're based in Kenya. We are based in Nairobi, Kenya. That's the capital city. Kenya is in East Africa. Wonderful. Bernard, we're very keen to hear about your your personal journey and uh, the intersect with your professional journey as well. So go ahead and tell us uh, where it all began. Thank you, Steve. Um, I'm asked this question a lot, especially the professional journey one, but let me kick off with my personal journey. My personal journey has been the usual normal type of a journey for any other person, if I would say so. Uh, Born and raised in a family of five uh, children uh, here in Nairobi, Kenya, that is in East Africa, as I mentioned earlier. My parents were administrators, but from time to time, we would be in the rural areas where we would see our parents sell off the animals just to try and afford a livelihood for us, whether it is school fees, whether it is, you know, um, getting some money uh, to pay for, for the medical bill, uh, whether it is just working capital, et cetera, et cetera. So I've had a very interesting uh, personal journey, to be very honest. Uh, but what is even more interesting is the professional journey, which um, I'd like to mention on a higher level. So I didn't kick off as an entrepreneur. I kicked off as a curious young man who wanted to understand what is this thing called employment. And so I got into employment and my first employment was in the financial services industry where we were selling insurance services across um the country and the county, which is Nairobi. But later on, as I progressed, got into entrepreneurship a year after, uh, this is 12 years back, got into entrepreneurship where I set up my first insurance agency, a brokerage firm, and also set up a small printing and branding um, company where I was able to buy some few equipments and set them downtown Nairobi. And I did business for a while. But interesting enough, whenever I would do uh, the business, people would always say, this is a good manager. He ought to go to a big corporate and become a good manager. And ironically, two years later, I had to fold the business that I had kicked off that was 12 years back and jumped back into employment. 
where I set foot into the media industry, uh, becoming a regional manager for one of the biggest leading uh, media houses here in the country, selling off their, uh, their advertising services, whether it's radio, print, and TV. And ultimately, and shocking enough, one of the clients was so excited about how I carried my professionalism, my management matrix, and the deliverables such that they offered me a job in a company uh, that is ICT enabled, a payment gateway company. So that was in late 2019, and that is how I got into uh, technology. So it's quite interesting, Stephen, that in this part of the world, professionals can move from one field to the other, unlike in a developed world. In this part of the world, you find someone who has a degree in law is literally someone um, doing a nursing or literally someone doing uh, CRM sales and software sales. It yeah. gets very interesting yeah. because of the complexities of getting uh, employment on this side. Yeah. So yeah. I began my technology curiosity uh, as soon as I got into the technology enabled space in the year 2013, late 2013 where I then became the head of East Africa in terms of a payment gateway that I was uh, pushing on behalf of a very powerful Kenyan company here and progressed into other roles just within the technology space for other companies where I developed various products um, for them and also opened up new markets for them across East Africa. And ironically, just like I began uh, the story, the same monster caught up with me, the monster of the hunger for, um, for, for entrepreneurship. Mm. So because of how good I was doing my job as a manager, as a regional boss, you know, as a general manager, as a chief operations officer, et cetera, et cetera, all these big nice roles that I had uh, in employment, people would then tell me, hey, I think you can really do good in your own business, especially in the area of fintech, which is my background. And ironically, I was then forced by circumstances and passion and love to get into the business of fintech, but I had to face it a bit different and try to solve a problem that I saw while growing up in my personal journey. Like I mentioned, growing up, I'd see my parents, my uncles, you know, my aunties sell off their animals just for fun and livelihood. That is my personal and professional journey. Yeah, it's it's amazing how you how you've been describing Bernard your curiosity and uh, in in my view I think there was a combination of curiosity and determination, and um, you know there were a number of aha moments for you um, you know through employment but also starting starting up businesses and exploring what 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 it could be, so. Tell us a little bit more about Lofty Kesho. Thank you very much. So um, Lofty Kesho is what you call a fusion of agriculture and technology, what we call as agritech, and then a fusion of technology and financial services, what we call fintech. So basically, we have an agri-fintech startup about uh, two years old, turning into years by the end of the year, uh, this year. Uh, Lofty Kesho specializes in enabling farmers to access capital against their livestock uh, as assets. Ironically, like I mentioned, I grew up in an environment where I would see my parents as administrators and by extension farmers 
the neighbors, the uncles and the aunties sell off the animals. So Lofty Kesho then came into about where I needed to solve a very dear problem to me and to us as a community and to the people as well. So we started doing research and just trying to understand this is in late 2020. Why do our farmers suffer um, suffer from accessing capital, formalized capital? A very simple example is a livestock farmer here cannot walk into a financial institution, so that it's a bank or microfinance, and literally walk away with it alone. Unfortunately, they lack employment history and credit histories. So we got to start thinking and you know just brainstorming, and we got into one law that is called the Movable Property Security Rights Act, which has mandated that an animal is literally an asset, and an asset that can be used by a financial institution to acquire a loan. Then we had another aha moment. So when I say we, I say me, and by extension, the team, that we thought through the, the, the product and got where we are. But essentially what Lofty Kesha does is to so a very fundamental problem for the smallholder livestock farmers who have no access to capital because of lack of uh, credit and employment histories. And ironically, the smallholder livestock farmers are not poor. Yeah. I'll give you an example. We have a farmer called Tunai who has over a thousand livestock. And I'm talking about goats, cows, and sheep in his land. But unfortunately, he cannot access money from the bank. He can't access the usual formalized way of getting a loan. But if he was to sell off all the animals, he's a millionaire. He would end up even, you know, funding the bank in one way or the other if he was to sell off all the 1,000 livestock that he has. So then we asked ourselves, fundamentally, how do we approach this problem with a solution that makes sense? Then we say the best way to do it is infuse technology putting a bit of financial services and by extension, bringing the element of validating this cow as an asset. So we created a framework of two layers. The first layer is the software element where we're able to create profile, a farmer profile where we do the KYC or know your customer. Then another profile for the animal, which we call in our own ways, quote unquote, KYA, which is know your animal. This profile is then validated by a qualified, licensed and, licensed and skilled veterinary officer under the Kenya Veterinary Board, who is the oversight authority body for veterinary officers in the country. They are our partners. So once this profile has been validated and a valuation and a health certificate has been given out, this profile, which is an infusion of the farmer and the livestock, then becomes an insurable and lendable profile which is then presented to our insurance partners and by extension, our financial partners, unlocking a 50% of the value of this animal. Yeah. So if the animal is about $1,000, the farmer will then get $500. It has been a journey for us to be able to properly figure out this, uh, but we are very happy to have done quite a lot in this space. So yeah. this is what Lofty Kesha does. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing you know, how you described you know, some of the uh, experiences you had within your own family, but the fundamental aspects and a, and, and, and a social problem that's out there and a solution that you've got through Lofta Kesho 
it is such an important aspect that you're you're delivering within the within the nation and uh, and you, you you know lofta kesho and with your leadership you're addressing that challenge through a very unique solution here so that's that, that that's an important milestone to recognize and i just want to take a moment to to recognize that so you're basically part of that value chain end to end value chain where you're bringing a number of benefits so tell us a little bit more about you know obviously there's an opportunity here um not only for different stakeholder groups but what are some of the challenges that you're facing within lofta kesho i mean within within this particular business model so this is an interesting question steven thank you so much for asking that so as an organization that is trying to solve such a big problem we are definitely faced with a number of um, challenges i'd like to bring to your attention that as of last year june 21 only 1% of livestock that is cows goats and sheep were used as assets or were used as collateral across all the financial institutions in this country and this is information from the business registration uh, service which is a government entity that manages something called the e collateral registry that whenever financial institutions use a moving asset like a cow they are supposed to record it and share it with the brs business registration service so that being the case it can only help you understand that over 99% of the market is still underdeveloped and untapped well that comes with a number of challenges just to answer your question the first thing is the inability to properly harness support from the national and the local government unfortunately the government hasn't been able to put together an animal database and an animal registry because an animal database and animal registry then would make it much more easier for companies like us startup like ours and by extension other organizations within the value chain to be able to provide proper credible quality services against the data of the livestock and against the data of the farmer unfortunately the national government has hasn't been able to roll out that we hope that in due time we are able to work with the national government as we are currently working with a number of county governments to solve this particular a problem which is the inability to properly harness support from the national and to some extension the county governments what do i mean by that basically what i've explained about an animal registry this is critical I'd like to give you an example to bring that point home when you have a database for cars or motor vehicle it makes it very easy to bring governance budgeting you know and basically the oversight authority as far as cars are concerned but that is not the case in Kenya at the moment and by extension every other developing nation uh, in the continent really or by a large extent has credible updated quality data so we hope that's one problem that we can be able to solve in partnership with the national and the local government going forward secondly is an infrastructural problem that's the second problem an infrastructural problem means for us that whenever we go down to the ground with our technology because we have a web based platform we need to access internet in real time 
we need to be able to update the farmer's data onto the platform in real time, the cow's data onto the platform in real time, and possibly create reports and ship this data in report form, possibly to the team back at the office or even to various partners such as insurance companies, the banks, and even livestock players um, in the country that work with us. Unfortunately, whenever you go to the ground, there is a challenge as far as connectivity is concerned. Connectivity from a point of internet, connectivity from a point of even the telecommunication signal uh, is a problem. And the third one, which is very interesting, is more of the challenges related to the uptake of financial services in the rural areas. The type of farmers we deal with, or the type of clientele we deal with, are farmers who are quote-unquote illiterate or are underexposed to matters of financial inclusion, to matters of financial products. By extension, even livestock insurance is a product. And that makes it very difficult for the customers to properly understand the product from the word go. But what we've realized is they have their own understanding of how the product can help them. For instance, we have farmers that we have been able to create animal identity for them so that they are able then to identify the animals by a unique ID manually and also onto the system. We've also been able to give them valuation and health certificates. We also keep records of the animal's health, which is good. Uh, we are also able to ensure the animals in partnership with various insurance companies and give them a loan as well that helps them in developing their enterprise. So they truly do know there is a problem that needs to be sorted out. But it has forced us to be able to understand how to speak to them so that we don't lose them. Because unfortunately, of that problem, the penetration of financial services product is still on the low side. Just for your information, livestock insurance in this country, Kenya, is under 10 years old. Then the fourth one is, of course, a very fundamental problem that needs to be addressed on the national government level, which is So should I proceed? Go on, go on, Bernard. So the follow-up problem that I was talking about is the veterinary officers and the extension officers are quite limited. This is a component of the national and local government. We need for the national and local government to enlarge the capacity of veterinary officers on the ground in terms of the quantity of officers and even enrich the different universities for students to be able to take up the course, for them to be able to help in the business of livestock sustainable business, because at the end of the day, it is important for a veterinary officer or an animal specialist to look at matters of production, matters of health, and matters of um, nutrition as far as the animal is concerned. Lastly, the one of the challenges that we have is an organization which is now number five. Um, we have, sorry, Steven, there's some background noise. So the fifth challenge we have as an organization uh, is an internal challenge. 
we need the capital, the financial ability to be able to scale up our services across the various uh, pharma cooperatives that have shown interest uh, for our services across um, the, the country. We have over 50,000 unfulfilled orders. We are currently fundraising and we are looking at being able to impact over 10,000 farmers before the end of the year. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. So, so if it's a very good segue to, uh, to draw on some insights from you. So if I'm, if I'm a, uh, a business or an investor or a client looking to leverage your solution very briefly, how would a conversation with you and I sound like, let's say from an investor perspective or from a client perspective? From an investor's perspective, it would be really nice um, for the investor to truly understand that we are just not a standard business. We have somehow been able to redefine what it means to create sustainability in our market as far as the livestock business is concerned. The whole world and largely um, areas where livestock farmers are practicing their business has been hit by a lot of global climatical challenges. So then in our business, we are able to create an ecosystem that brings value not only to the investors' return on investment, but also their sense of humanity. How do you help farmers to be sustainable in the area of livestock? How do you help a small family that cannot put a meal on the table to be able to afford the daily meal? How do you help such a family to be able to you know, afford livelihood as far as expenses such as school fees are concerned, you know, health expenses, et cetera, et cetera. So to an investor, we would be able to tell the investor one, there is a huge return based on uh, the gap that is in the market that we are able to unlock with our services. But most importantly, away and above the money, we are also able to create a sustainable business that is empowering humanity and making life better uh, for others. Wonderful. Bernard, I'm curious to hear about, um, you know, your leadership experience as well. Um, and you, you mentioned through your journey, how you were working in employment, but also how you started your business. Can you share with us an experience as a leader um, where, you know, you've, you've achieved a high positive outcome, aside from some of the things that you've described? Sure, I do have a couple of them, but I'm gonna only pick two. Um, I worked for two technology companies. One is uh, the general manager and then promoted to group chief operations officer. We built the first mobile commerce platform that was in the year 2015, then quickly extended it to four countries in East Africa, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, and Rwanda. In a very short span of time, we were able to do system integration to over 10 different telecommunication companies. Anyone who understands technology will tell you how difficult that is, especially because you have to jump through a lot of bureaucratic uh, loopholes and hurdles just to be able to do 10 different integrations from 10 different um, telecommunication companies. So that was made possible because of my ability to understand how to properly position the business to the tele telecommunication 
uh, bosses leadership and also the senior engineer managers. That was also made possible because of my drive as a passionate entrepreneur and then as a passionate person uh, who is more of a profession, how do I work with the teammates and by external mates to make sure that we are able to achieve a common goal. That has to be one of my highest um, uh, points in a career life when I was employed back then. Within a very short period of time, three months, we were able to launch this product. And we were literally copying or rather building on top of what India has done, Paytm. Paytm was literally our biggest inspiration for what we did then. So that is a good understanding of, um, of where I'm coming from in terms of leadership skills. The yeah. second thing yeah. is um, I then became um, the head of a microfinance product, a digital micro lending platform, which is a mobile app. We developed this product in such a speedy way and we made so many mistakes along the way. But I was forced then to go back to the drawing board and we had to ask ourselves, why do we only have 5,000 uh, monthly recurring uh, customers? And we had to make a whole different ecosystem in this, which then opened up one key uh, characteristic that I have as a leader, resilience. At a point where everyone had given up, I had to go back to the drawing board and just revise everything and just keep moving on, just being resilient. And then we were able to upgrade the software that we were using then. And I was able to bring in a team of uh, engineers that we were able to properly look at the product benchmark on where the problems were against other working solutions. And we were able to even attract more investments. And before you know it, in a period of just one year of 12 months, we were able to have 45,000 recurring monthly paying our customers. So my highlight, I will take two things. One, the, the drive to be able to be objective. And secondly, the resilient bit of that journey as far as objectiveness is concerned. Yeah, it, two important aspects there, being objective and being resilient. And, you know, as you were describing these characteristics, it is such an important aspect, not only through your journey, but how you have, you know, formulated yourself as a robust business leader, but also how you are bringing your vision to life through all those experiences in your current business. I mean, that th th those were some significant milestones that you just described there that brought out your leadership. So which means Lofta Kesho is in very good hands with uh, with with you as a leader. That is true. Thank you very much, Stephen. I, I I truly feel humbled. It's been a journey of learning, and we are continuously learning more and more. Yeah. So what 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 are some of the important topics or trends um, in your mind these days that you you feel would impact people, business? And even Kenya as a whole, I know you touched on a few things here, but um, just broadly, any important topics or trends? Sure. So the first one is very um, relevant, which is animal registry. Mm -hmm. I often wonder how do we solve the animal registry problem? Not only for Kenya, but for every developing nation, and of course, starting off with the African continent. 
I highly doubt if any country in the whole continent can confidently stand on their registry, animal registry data, and say that the data is accurate and the data is up to date. I don't think there is such a country anywhere. We've done our own research and we can confidently say there is none. So the first topic there that always rings in my mind, how do we use technology to be able to create such a simple yet workable quality animal registry data? That's the first thing. The second thing is how do we analyze? The second topic which is extremely important, literally even way beyond important that the animal registry as a foundation, but the ability to analyze the data that is in the registry. And I'll give you an example. So in this particular part of the world, what we are trying to think about as far as animal registry data analysis is concerned is something that goes like this. So the government has, let's say $1 billion for purposes of an example, that they need to administer particular decisions as guided by data across 47 county governments in the country. And that particular portioning of budget needs to go to livestock farmers. You could only imagine how many data variables would need to be crunched in. I'll give you an example. So you have a farmer called Stephen Paul in Nairobi County. What is the age of Stephen Paul? What is the email address? What is the address? How many animals does Stephen Paul have? You know, what type of breeds are they? Have they been immunized? So many data metrics floating all over the place. But ultimately, one interesting topic there, which is the second one, data analysis. How do we harness data analysis out of the animal registry and be able to properly provide a national data analytical report on livestock mm. and even a county government-based one, which then opens up simply administration of the national and local government? Are they able to properly allocate the resources, allocate the finances, do budget allocations, and even do routine immunization and treatment. I tell you, Stephen, those two things, the animal registry topic and the data analysis of the animal data as captured in the animal registry, those two are extremely dear to us. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to hear that, um, uh, you know, th those are front and center of, of your mind and and how you're actually integrating that as part of the, the solution as well. So, Bernard, it's not always business for you. What what does a day in the life of Bernard look like morning to evening? Thank you, Stevie, for that question. I get, a, I get asked that question a lot. Um, so basically, the first thing I do uh, when I wake up is I pray. I wake up at 4.30 a.m. That is Monday to Friday. And just after, you know, doing my refreshing and other uh, breakfast, uh, my wife and I leave the house and drive all the way um, to the offices. I drop at the office, go to my office. The first thing I do when I get into the office, I pour myself a cup of coffee. Uh, if the coffee is not there, I make it myself. Uh, sit down uh, on my desk. Uh, the, the other thing I do that is very important is I start browsing what is happening in the world of entrepreneurship, what is happening in the world of startups. I kind of catch up with news, especially things relevant, things relevant to registry of animals, traceability and tracking, what new solutions are out there. Because all these new solutions are new across the whole world, even in developing nations. 
And let me just give an example there. Today morning, I was reading an article that talked about some scientists in the U.S. Uh, uh, put a tracking device in a snake. And some months later, when they tried to track the snake, they found that the tracker was actually inside a bigger snake that ate the other snake. That is interesting information. So we kind of ask ourselves, what type of tracking technology do they use? So we have a routine where every day, personally, I get into the office and do a bit of research on where we are. Once I do that, uh, that takes me about 30 minutes. Once I do that, I quickly get onto my emails. In order of priority, I respond to emails. I'm able to respond back to uh, documents, et cetera, et cetera. And then the day flows into virtual meetings and physical meetings. But every day I have to at least go to a farmer uh, who is around uh, the city, or I have to make a couple of calls and talk to the various partners we have, insurance companies, the banks, the pharma cooperatives, the county governments, et cetera, et cetera. So a day in my life as far as work is concerned is a full integrated way of trying to make sure at the end of the day, am I asking myself, have I been able to move from step A to step B to step, uh, to step C? It's more of a gradual yet step-by-step -step curve. Yeah. I, I like the way you uh, you positioned it. It sounds like you've uh, you've got your your day planned out quite quite well on a daily basis, and uh, and obviously you've got clients or farmers that you need to 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 liaise with as well. So it sounds like you're making very good uh, good progress. Bernard, is there any closing messages that you want to share with? We are coming to a close very shortly. Sure, I do have. Um... An interesting one that I'd want to share to the whole world. Um, a very good friend of ours who's an animal nutritionist says um, that if agriculture fails, then everything else fails. World Bank says by the year 2050, the demand for food will increase 70%. Global climatical challenges are not making it easier for us. So I'd like to welcome all investors interested parties that want to work with us this journey. The journey of being able to address one component of the climatical challenges as far as the livestock business is concerned. We welcome all, including investors as we are fundraising, because we want to be able to make sure that we are playing a positive role as far as the world moves forward. Thank you, Stephen. Bernard, words of wisdom from you and a challenge to investors around the world, uh, especially considering all the sustainability aspects that we are trying to resolve. Bernard, thank you very much for being with us today and for sharing your journey. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode where we will hear from a business leader who is breaking ground in private dining whilst enabling chefs to showcase their talent. Imagine that. We will hear more about that. Stay tuned and continue to stay on to hear about a free offer for you later on in this video. Hey, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You're now seeing this part of the video also because you consume some of my content, insights and teachings. 
Maybe you've been to my LinkedIn page or website or seen other social media ads or listened to my podcast. I'm Stephen Paul, a business and transformational executive coach, strategic advisor, leader, and board member. I've been in diverse roles, corporate executive, entrepreneur, and worked with businesses and firms of all sizes, built and launched businesses, created high impact boards, and so forth in four continents. I get it. I've been there, done that. But what is different is I bring a unique perspective and a playbook. I've helped 100 plus business leaders just like you to scale and align their leadership top teams, the board and overall business for growth. Leaders like Ivana from medium sized company in the EU who grew 150% and expanded globally in under five months. After she started to work with me over facilitated sessions in an initial three days, I helped fine tune their strategy and align their leadership team and board to be a cohesive driving force to achieve their dreams and outcomes. I want to teach you the same thing and more on how to scale and align your leadership team and board so you can increase your business growth and value. Get clarity on what is the next right strategy for you. There are multiple ways we can work with you. Number one, click the link for a free non-obligatory 60-minute initial strategic session. Let's get a feel for your dreams, your vision, your challenges, and let me convert that into a route map for you where we can co-develop and co-pilot. Number two, enroll in an innovative and intuitive digital online course that I have curated, created to help you transform. It's called Unshakable Resilience. It is the ultimate program for individuals and business leaders like you who want to be equipped at a personal and professional level to respond to any form of challenges or in crisis situations and take on opportunities with grit, resilience, and build a mindset of success. In essence, you want to be unshakable, thrive in crisis, take on opportunities in the face of adversity, and build a success mindset. So click the link below to learn more on how I can personally help you individually and your firm to scale and align your leadership team and business and pivot in a transformational way. And for you to experience this, whatever the challenge you're facing, get in touch with me. Let's discuss and I will share my insight rapidly to enable your transformation. Click the links below.